0: as far as musicians go i've heard plenty of wonderful like technically amazing musicians things that i could never play mhm but i'm not into it because to me it's not it's not that i'm hearing them talking really mhm you know like it's 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 kind of hard to explain in a way because it's like they're not Telling a story to me they're just showing me how good they are at this instrument definitely which is you know it's like yeah I'd love to be able to do that yeah you also have to be able to tell a story and get people to feel something other than wow he's really good at playing that instrument yeah like sure that's a feeling and you can feel good about yourself everyone, salutations wherever you are, whatever time it is you're listening to this, and welcome to the Boogie ha,
1: ha, ha, ha. Podcast.
0: <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> oh yeah. We got we got good executions. Um, We've been practicing that all day. Yes. <laughs> Just so you know, here, uh, my name's Ryder Saran of Ryder and Rolling Thunder, and today joining me In lieu of uh, Jake Pretty Boy Freeman is Mr. Wade Ronsey. It's good to be on. Thank you very much for having me. Absolutely. Uh, If you want to follow us on Instagram, my handle is writer underscore saran.
1: You can catch me at uh, Darth Wader. That's Darth Wade period R.
0: You also have to be able to tell a story and get people to feel something other than, wow, he's really good at playing that instrument. Yeah. Like, sure, that's a feeling and you can feel good about yourself, but if somebody isn't hearing you play or sing or say these words and you're not evoking some emotion that I've been there, the way he's playing that guitar, the way he's playing those drums, the way this sounds is a place I have been it doesn't do it for me. Yeah. And I, you know, I think a lot of people feel that way. That's I think why so pop too. music is so popular.
1: Yeah. I think it's, I think it's hard as a musician though, to not, to not get caught in that trap of, of musicianship. Cause there's, there's a pocket of the industry where you can exist as a great player and play two musicians and have a career, you know? And I think those, those are the kind of people that as, as you're getting better at your instrument, those are the people that you're exposed to for drums. There's a huge, there's a huge culture of Instagram drummers Mm. who are the best drummers right now, other than the clinicians and the educators and stuff. But these guys are the best players in the world right now. And it's really hard not to watch them and think, okay, that is the kind of player that I need to be when their, their audiences is is the musicians, your audience may be, if, if your audience is a bar on the downtown of your city and just kind of like an averagely interested music scene they maybe don't want to see you play a lot of heady stuff and you're not gonna you're not gonna communicate so if your goal is to be having some sort of some sort of emotional musical experience with your audience playing some crazy heady stuff you might you might lose them a little bit
0: yeah and that's something i think maybe in boise the local music scene i think a lot of musicians me included around here get wrapped up in making some heady cool thing that will impress you know, impress the other musicians yeah. that are around when it's you know, it's it's just a different market. Where yeah. it's, it's it's a lot of musicians coming to see each other play. Yeah. So you're trying to impress them, which of course you want to do, but there's something else there that you want to impress the general public yeah and they're not gonna to wanna to hear every song you play in nine eight time switching between that and five four time like they don't care they just want to hear a good song they just want to dance they just want to forget about the week
1: exactly and if and if you're writing a song and you find yourself playing nine eight or five four because that was where the song led you maybe that's a different thing and that's also you know i mean some people that's just the kind of music that they're gonna make that's the way they that's the way they communicate i know people that talk a thousand miles an hour and talk in a hundred different directions and then all of a sudden wrap it up and make a cool point about out of it you know and so they're doing it kind of organically but to kind of not get too far into the weeds knowing just knowing who your audience is and who you want your audience to be
0: at the end of the day i think yeah. is, is pretty. it's important. like a marketing tactic yeah like you definitely. need to know who your audience is gonna be yeah i guess maybe What's define your goals Define your that's goals. Yeah. Define what your goals are, Definitely. who it is that you want to reach. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm coming from a place of bias that I want to play a bar and have people dancing. Yeah. I want them to enjoy the music. Yeah. And I don't want them sitting there with, you know, sitting there with their arms crossed. Yeah. Thinking about the music, really. Yeah. I just want them to be like, this is good. And that's it. Like, <laughs> or if they hear some tasty words or tasty licks in there, that they'll be happy with that. But... Not that it has to be some crazy religious experience, almost, or something like that, or that it's got to be, you know, any, any artist can transport somebody from where they're at to where the artist wants them to go. I mean, basically, what I'm trying to say is that I want to make music that people can enjoy if they're not high on something or, you know, just drunk, like... Well, you know, that's not it either, is it? It's got to be, I don't know. It it totally is dependent on the goals that you're trying to achieve. And for me, it's I just want to make a bar happy. Definitely. And, you know, if you can make a bar happy, you can probably make most people happy.
1: One of the things that was impactful for me on that on that note was Dan Buckvich, a guy who taught me up at U of I, and he ran this 120-some-odd-person jazz choir that sang like pop hits. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, obviously it was theatrical and cheesy and stuff, but it was fun. And, and one of the things that really stuck with me that he said was that when he creates music, he tries to put himself in the perspective of the significant other of the person who is coming to see the show, he wants to put himself in the mindset of the person who maybe wasn't that into the idea of going out to music for the night. Maybe wasn't that into the idea of leaving their home for the night. Yeah. Maybe doesn't absolutely love music, but you're trying to, you're trying to not even necessarily wow them, but just make them forget about their troubles, put a smile on their face. And if that's by shredding, definitely go for it. And I think that, Generally though, as long as what you're doing is, is true to yourself and it's not, it's not just puffery. If you're playing a lot of notes and getting heady because that's the way you play and that's, that's just organically who you are. That's totally cool. And if, if your way of connecting people is to write songs, I I think I'm making assumptions here, but in your case, writing songs that mean a lot to you personally, Mm -hmm. they're going to mean a lot to the audience. Yeah. Yeah. It's like South Park. You know, they talk. They, they talk in the in one of their making of videos. They they never are making music to appease a certain audience. They sit there, and if it makes them laugh, and they're having a hoot, then they'll release it because they know that some other people like them are are going to really dig it. So I think you're I think you're onto something there, yeah, for sure. It's uh,
0: yeah, that's I mean, like I said, it's totally dependent on who it is you're trying to reach, and. You know, I just enjoy going to see a band that's tasty, all around. Crunchy. Crunchy. T- no, not crunchy. <laughs> I don't like very many crunchy bands because that entails that they're gonna play like a one to flat seven chord progression for twelve minutes somewhere in their set. <laughs>
1: and that's crunchy.
0: <laughs> it is crunchy, but it is a. Uh, it does get a little. Yeah. Does get a little boring after a while. I'm gonna say I'm not a big fan of the Grateful Dead. Really? That's, really? that's some that's some words there. I know. I just, honestly, part of it was, uh, it was false advertising, I thought, because I did think at the time that there were going to be this cool, like, psychedelic prog thing. Like, you know, as a musician, I like seeing that stuff. Yeah. As, also, I guess, as a musician, I like seeing that. As a performer, I'm not really into that kind of stuff you know? Yeah. It's that I want to see this whole audience engagement, getting people dancing and stuff, but seeing somebody kind of jam out on folk rock for an hour, I don't really dig it. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah.
1: I, I mean, I, I, it's weird. I, I kind of share that sentiment. I have, I have a hard time sometimes with jam bands. Yeah. Cause from, from my perspective, it can be a little overindulgent. but the weird thing is like, I feel like kind of going back to that audience we're, we're just we're not that audience yeah because the know. people that dig that stuff it's not like they're like like shred snobs yeah you know they're they're looking they're looking at the bigger picture of the song I mean I they're 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 appreciating something that maybe we aren't so yeah I mean it's that's that's interesting and it's interesting that you're not a huge dead guy because I'm not either and I, I think also the way that the the channels that they're exist that are existing now for you to actually consume the Grateful Dead aren't the way that Grateful Dead is meant to be consumed I mean yeah. I think like they were they were the best band to go
0: and maybe take some psychedelics yeah. and catch face to face well that's the thing with them is that I'm like this isn't what I was expecting because I was mm-hmm. expecting like some hyper Beatles-esque kind of stuff yeah like psychedelic with you know, all these string arrangements and all these crazy cool chord Mm -hmm. progressions and stuff like that. But then I'm like, well, I guess this would make sense. It's like super chill music that if someone was tripping that, yeah, I guess that would be, Mm -hmm. that would be nice. It makes sense.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's to me, it, it almost has, it almost has a lot of the same appeal that maybe jazz does where, you know, you know, in your mind that as you're watching this, the basis to the song is there, but there's 20 minute periods where they open it up and they don't know what's going to happen. Yeah, and I think that's the psychedelic thing: is that it's less psychedelic for the listener, but you know that it's a psychedelic experience for
0: them because yeah. they're because they're having a moment on stage. I mean, you know, being on stage is can be such a transcendental experience. Definitely, like uh, I just recently watched Rocket Man, and there's that point when he does that first show at the Troubadour where like the whole crowd starts floating and he starts floating too off the piano. That is a real feeling. Yeah. They captured that perfectly. Like I turned to my girlfriend and I was like, that is what it feels like. Like when you are perfectly in tune with an audience, they're digging what you're doing. You're digging like what they're giving to you. Mm -hmm. Like it's, there is not a drug or substance or really experience other than that they can replicate it that feeling of being at at one point in control of an audience but at the same time they're completely controlling you yeah at the same time like you you can't get that any other way than like playing on stage for people i concur <laughs> yeah <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that it's a it's a real moving thing and that's why that's why i keep doing it you are, you know, it does feel like you're chasing a high. Yeah. That you want that to happen every show. It doesn't always, though. Sometimes
1: you're playing to that. Nope. Sometimes Three people you're... that have their arms crossed and they're like.
0: And they like it. They'll yeah. come up to you yeah, after yeah, their show and on. be they like, loved I it. loved your show, but the entire time they had their arms yeah. crossed and were like, not even smiling. Yeah. And then they'll come by your merch and yeah. stuff. And They're like, just
1: really baked and really focused.
0: Yeah. You're like, where the hell were you? Like <laughs> the last 45 minutes, dude. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I get that. It's, uh, so I don't know if, uh, coming, if you aren't a musician, if you do, if you are digging a musician, come up to the front, dance with them. If you're digging the music, if you're not, that's fine. You know, I'm not saying you need to, you know, get up there and federally subsidize your nearest guitar player or anything like that.
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's, there's a, and I mean, even, even like the dancing thing, I think there's a, there's a nice even point. Cause I've, I've done bar gigs before where, you, you kind of get into this mentality of, it's just like, man, I, it literally doesn't matter what I play right now, especially on drums. It's like, I could literally just play two and four backbeat right now. And you all would dance. Like you do not care what I'm playing right now. And that's less of a connection sometimes than like when you go to Portland, sometimes I've noticed those are really quiet crowds. They don't dance. They get their little like head nod going on. And and that's as good as you're going to get. Yeah. And that's like, that's sometimes the best thing you get to the quiet part of your song. And it's like, even though there's, 60 70 people in the room you you can't hear a conversation because they're into the music yeah and that's genuine but i mean there's there's definitely an in-between there you know i mean it it never hurts you know to be that guy in the crowd that's rocking out a little bit i mean you don't want to turn it into your
0: private dance party that's what i think people are scared of too is that honestly you need two couples dancing yeah that's it yeah once you're there everybody else will come on yeah because if there's one guy dancing everybody's looking at that guy and not the band if there's a couple dancing everybody's looking at that couple and not the band yeah if there's two couples dancing it's a party yeah let's do this like yeah. that's when it that's
1: when it hits people that rock out to bands they make the world go around musicians that rock out to other bands and don't See, sit at the back of the venue on stage. They, I don't know what they do to the world.
0: They make it like more than spin. They like they repair the ozone layer. Yeah, <laughs> that's such a hard thing too. Yeah. Because when you're a musician and you're watching a band, it takes a absolutely knock your socks off great band to get you, like, to not even notice that you're watching a band. Because as a musician, you're watching them trying to be like, what gear are they using? Yeah. How are they writing their songs? How are they writing their lyrics? How are they doing this? What's their stage presence like? There's mm-hmm. so many things that you're looking at that almost have nothing to do with actually them playing.
1: Yeah, because you're applying the same scrutiny that you're applying to yourself yeah. when you're on stage.
0: Yeah, so it's you're trying to work. you're It's almost like you're working on yourself when you're watching that. To where it takes a just absolutely kick-ass band to put you completely out of the moment. Yeah. Or just a group of people. It's it's this. You'll you'll see a group of people in the audience that are all dancing or all digging it, and then you go into that. I don't know. It's a real human thing. Yeah. But uh, like yeah. King Gizzard, King Gizzard and the Wizard Lizard. King Gizzard and the DQ Blizzard. Yeah. <laughs> Um saw them at the Neuralux. That was a wonderful show. Like, I was not thinking about the notes they were playing. I wasn't thinking about the words they were singing. I wasn't thinking about the beat that was happening or how they got here or, like, what their touring situation was, all these other things that I worry about in my own musical life. I was just happy to get to see them, and I was just digging it, mm-hmm. like – And maybe that's something that comes with clout, too, though, as a musician. Like, if there's people that make it to this level that you want to get to, you're going in already expecting to have this experience. So you're not as worried about looking at what they're playing or all that stuff. You might make those little mental notes, you know, throughout the show. But for the most part, like, you already know they're good. You like them. You don't care. You're just gonna go listen to good music
1: yeah so maybe that's maybe that's a lesson to be learned for musicians that consider themselves to be individuals that have mortgaged a lot of their life into music and it's not like a holier than thou thing you know but it's just definitely like oh i've you know i put in a lot of work on my instrument and so i'm giving you that scrutiny that i was talking about before maybe that's a lesson we need then is to go into all bands with, yeah. With that same mindset of what what can I learn from this? What is what are you doing? Even if it's a you know a band of seventeen year old punksters, yeah, and just watching it and being like, okay, like what are you know what are what are you doing that I'm not doing? You know, and and I don't mean that as like you know what are, what are you doing that I'm not doing? You know, but yeah. like but like what you know what can what I learn? can I learn? Yeah, what can I learn from this? What's
0: something that I can take away and apply to my own craft? And some people will tell you know I've been sitting there watching a guitar player sometimes. And people will be like, what do you think of this? And I'll be like, I'm sorry. I'm trying to steal some licks here, yeah. you know? And that's, that's <laughs> a point of contention for some people. That's yeah. like, I don't think they understand the musician mind that yes, that, that, that quote, that good artists copy, great artists steal. That the thing is, when you steal that, you learn it, you learn it note for note. And then it, then you're like, okay, well, I want to do it this way instead. Yeah. Like I think I want to do it my way. Like, it's a. Uh, it's not so much stealing as you are inspired. Yeah, and Imit- that's what I think imitation that quote is gets most to serious
1: form of flattery. Yeah, and mm-hmm.
0: it's it's like. Well, it's it comes down to the whole thing of coming from, where where do your influences end, and where do you begin? Mm-hmm. Like. There, there is a thick gray area there. Because when I go see a musician the the hallmark I think of a great musician is that I hear their story through their instrument or their voice, like I don't hear somebody else's voice through their instrument, or if I hear someone else's voice that it's it's almost like a reference, yeah, and I'm like oh i I see what you did yeah. there, like oh that's cool i I recognize that like it's uh like, I've had, I don't know, I've had discussions with people about that whole good artist copy, great artist steal thing, and it's, I don't think they understand the filter. that That's what I call it. The filter that we all have in our minds, that when you learn something and ingrain it and take it, and then once you put it back out, it's gone through your own filter to where it's something completely different. Like, I'll write a song and then be like, this is uh i think this sounds like this band yeah that's what i'm thinking on this and then i ask five other people and they give me five different bands that weren't even the one i was thinking of totally. so it's like
1: yeah they're applying their own filter to it
0: yeah yeah and that's we all apply yeah we all apply our own filters to all of it
1: Questlove has a cool book on creativity yeah Questlove, uh the drummer for the roots He's on Jimmy Fallon. He was the main force. One of the main forces behind like the Soulquarians that did a lot of that, Erica Badu and D'Angelo and some of the best R&B that's happened in the last 30 years. And he talks about creativity because he doesn't consider himself to be a creative person. Really? His idea of creativity is that as he picks up influences, they become cards in his Rolodex. So when he comes into a recording session, he's listening to the music and he's thinking, okay... I'm hearing a drum sound. What is the sound? Okay, vintage Motown. So that's like one of those little cards in the Rolodex. And he's like, "All right, I'm gonna play this piece, 30% like Roger Hawkins, but then on the chorus, I'm gonna do some John Bonham, and then I'm going to draw some influence from some Stones in another one of the parts." And so he's he's plucking out pieces yeah from this rolodex and so to him it's and he goes he goes on to i mean it, it is a little bit more of a, a truly creative thing there is some actual organic brain synapsis creativity that exists there but that's one of my favorite things because in it, it it doesn't make you be as hard on yourself for actually channeling some of your influences because i got i got down on myself for a long time because it was and i think a lot of drummers do this or it's like i when you're young i just wanted to sound like john bonham yeah. Until I didn't, then it was like, Oh man, like my tendencies are to rip off John Bonham fills, you know, but then you just add more pieces to that Rolodex and pretty soon you're you're channeling thirty percent Lee Von Helm, ten percent Charlie Watts, and sixty percent John Bonham, and then you sound like something completely different.
0: Yeah. You're an amalgamation of all your influences, definitely and experiences. And yeah. And that's that kind of goes for life in general. Yeah. That you're an amalgamation of The choices you've made and the experiences you've had based, you know, or maybe the other way around. You're an amalgamation of the experiences you've had and the choices you've made based on those experiences.
1: True that, buddy.
0: (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to the Boogie Hoss podcast. Subscribe to us. We're going to have, hopefully, you know, if you do dig what we're doing here, be able to see our pretty faces. We're going to do some video sessions do some demos, all that fun stuff, some gear demos for you gearheads out there. And uh, thank you. Thank you for listening to us. Thanks for coming here, Wade. Of course. Cheers, y'all. Cheers.